How we doing tonight? Anybody excited to be here? I, I'm really excited. If I'm honest with you, I'm a little, uh, I'm sweating right now because as I'm walking up here, my computer froze and my notes were gone and I prayed and I kid you not, they came back up. This is crazy. I was like, we're just relying on Jesus tonight, but I believe some of that for your lives that you're going to pray and God's going to move in an incredible way in your life and uh Hey, we want to just say welcome. My name is Steve, and I have the honor and privilege of being the young adult pastor here. And we want to say welcome to those of you online. Can we give it up for everybody watching online? Love that you are with us. Put it in the chat where you're watching from. Want to connect with you. We got some hosts in the chat. And those of you guys that are in the building, man, it's so good to see all of you guys here. I love getting to be here every single Thursday with you guys. And I hope you guys love it as much as we do. And uh a few weeks ago, we started a, a series entitled The Way. And what we've been doing is we've been journeying and looking at the life of Jesus. And Jesus refers to himself as the way in John 14, 6. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at the way, Jesus, in the way that we need to be living our lives. And uh, I've been loving this series so much. I've been learning about who we worship. I've been learning about Jesus and uh, so many new things. And I'm really, really excited for you. So if it's your first time, we're glad that you're with us. I don't like to do this, but I want to do it. Um, if it's your first time, would you just like raise your hand for a second? If it's your first time here tonight, we got some first timers. We love it. Sorry to put you on the spot, but we're glad that you're with us. And uh, let's go ahead and let's pray. Let's ask God to move. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for our time together. God, I thank you for what we just experienced. And God, we know that you're not done yet. And so we come before you right now. We ask that you would just move. You would uh, give me the words to speak that are directly from you and nothing that would come out of my mouth, uh, everything that would come out of my mouth would be from you. And not, not my own words, but, but the words that you put on my heart for us to hear tonight collectively as a family. And so we thank you for what you're gonna do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. A couple years ago, I remember this story clear as day. I, um, I was living with the Hughesins. Pastor Doug is one of our pastors here on staff, and he's like another father figure to me. I lived with them for about four years before getting married. When I was in college, I lived with them. And there was this one day a few years ago when Pastor Doug, he's got literally like the most beautiful heart. If you know Pastor Doug, you know like he, he's just an incredible guy. And uh, a few years ago, he, we, I was at home and he walks inside the house and he's like, hey, Steve, you wanna come with me to pick up this bird for this guy who just lost his bird? And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's pick up this new bird for him. And he starts telling me about this bird that this guy had. And he's like, yeah, it's been living for about 15 years. First off, I was like, dude, I didn't even know birds live that long. That's kind of crazy. And so we get in the car. We start driving over to the bird store. And um, never thought I'd be saying that. We drive over to this bird store. And I kid you not, I was thinking it was going to be like a 45-minute excursion. It's like, oh, we're going to get the bird, we're going to drop it off at the guy's house, and he's going to be happy, and it's going to be awesome. You know, Jessica and I, we had plans that night, and so 45 minutes, I'm under the impression it's going to be good. We get to the bird store, and I kid you not, it took about 45 minutes just to get the bird. 
Like, I don't know if you guys seen the movie uh, Zootopia, where they are moving so slow in the DMV, like it felt that way, or they were so busy, but this bird store just took a really long time. But, but I'm reminding myself, like, hey, we're doing a really nice deed for this guy. We're about to bless this guy with a bird. And I'm just grateful to be along for the journey. And so the guy ends up meeting us there. He picks out the bird that he wants. We drive it over to his house. And he's so grateful that he wants to show us around his house. And so he starts telling us all the things where his birds live and, and all these different things. And we're like, wow, it's amazing. I thought it was going to be 45 minutes. It ended up being closer to two hours. And I'm like holding on to the fact that, hey, I had this expectation that it was going to be 45. I know it was two hours, but I'm holding on to the fact that, you know what? I'm glad I got to do a nice gesture for this person. And I think about this story this week as I was studying for this message, because whether we realize it or not, we live in a world where we set expectations for everything. I mean, some of us, we don't even realize we do it. Like for me, I went into this situation wanting to bless this person and it was awesome to be along for the journey. But here I am in the back of my mind thinking of all the things that I got to do and the places I got to go next that I wasn't really present because I had this expectation that I was going to get out at a certain time. Uh, maybe for you, it's you start going to the gym and you're working out for a little bit. And you look at yourself in the mirror, you're like, man, I've been going for a week but I'm about to quit because I'm not seeing the results I want. Anybody guilty of that? <laughs> she, she said, no shame. Or ladies, for you, you, you have this in your head of the perfect moment when your boyfriend needs to propose to you. It's like the perfect, oh, somebody said, yeah. I hope you take, I won't put my man on blast like that. But you got this perfect moment of when it's going to be, and all of a sudden you have this expectation, and then sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Or others of us, we go out to eat, and in our minds, we need to have food at the exact time we envision it in our head. And I'm like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to order my food, and if the food's not here in 20 minutes, like I'm about to go to the counter and tell somebody, I didn't get my food in 20 minutes, what is happening? We have all of these expectations in our heads that we're programmed that way and sometimes we don't even realize it. And we create them for all sorts of different reasons. Maybe for some of you, it's to bring a sense of satisfaction to your life. For others of you, it's so you can have a plan. You like to control things. You're like, well, if, if I have this in my head, I have this plan that I created, the plan is gonna be met. But, but can we just talk for a second about when our expectations aren't met? There's nothing worse than unmet expectations. Can I get an amen? amen. Like, for example, you, uh, you go on Indeed or wherever you're getting your job at, and you're getting that dream job that you've been looking for. You read every, like, all the role description of what you're going to be doing. You're like, dude, this is going to be the perfect job. You interview. They tell you all the things that you read online that you're going to be doing. And then you're at work, and you're there for a little bit, and you quickly realize, dude, Everything they told me is not what I'm doing. I'm doing so many other things that aren't even in my job description. Has that ever happened to anybody? And you're like, you had this expectation of what it was gonna be and all of a sudden you're like, I'm not even doing that. And you're getting the same amount of money. Uh, or how about uh, others of us at school? Back in the day, elementary school, high school, maybe even college where your teacher's like, hey, you're gonna have a test next week. And it's a Friday, so they're feeling good. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to help you out. I'm going to hook you up. Um, you're going to have a test next week? 
But if you follow this study guide, follow it to a T, because once you follow this study guide, a lot of the questions that you're gonna see on the study guide are gonna be on the test. So just follow it to a T, and you start following it, and then the next week the test comes around, and you look at the piece of paper, you're like, dude, none of the questions that I studied are on this piece of paper right now. And you're just like randomly circling at that point because you're like, I didn't really study. Has that ever happened to anybody? I remember that happened to me in math and I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm already bad at math and I studied all the wrong things it felt like. And sometimes I believe we not only have expectations for the restaurants we're gonna eat at, the people that we interact with, but sometimes we put those expectations on God. Like God, I need you to move in my life right now. God, God, you hear me? I said, right now, I need you to move. I've been praying, and I've been asking you to speak, and it sounds like you've been silent on the other end. God, when are you going to move in my life? And we go to him with these expectations of the timing that we want him to answer him in, the things that we want him to do. And oftentimes, we have these expectations as people that are instilled in us because it's just the world that we live in, and we're often let down. They're often unmet. And today I wanna to talk from this idea of what are Jesus, what are Jesus' expectations of us as Christians? And you might be here and it might be your first time ever. You're like, dude, I don't even know about this whole church thing. I'm just navigating faith. I wanna tell you, listen up to this message. And if you've been following Jesus for a really long time, I want you to listen to this message. I believe this message is for everybody, but I really, for a second, just wanna share my heart with you. The reason this message is so near and dear to my heart is because I can't tell you how many people I've seen step foot in a building like this, start serving on fire for Jesus. They love the local church. They're a part of a crew and they're doing life with other people and they're on cloud nine. They're loving being a follower of Jesus. And then a few years later, they're gone. They're no longer walking with him. They're no longer a part of the church. And if I'm honest with you, I think this has heightened so much because as a church, we're fasting for 40 days. And a lot of us, we're praying for people, loved ones who have walked away from Jesus, who've walked away from the faith. And I think it's heightened and it's broken my heart even more to know there are people that are near and dear to my heart that have walked away. And I get it, I don't wanna put them in a box. People walk away for all sorts of different reasons, but I don't want that to be the case for any of us in this room or any of us watching online. And I believe at the core of why this tends to happen at times is because people have this expectation of church. People have this expectation of Jesus. And sometimes they feel like it's not met. But I'm grateful that Jesus is very clear with his expectation of us in how we need to be living our lives. If we're gonna say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, this is how we need to be living our lives. He doesn't leave us guessing, he doesn't leave us wondering. And so tonight, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four, you can open up your Bibles and we're gonna be there for a little bit and we're gonna go around and some other scriptures and it's gonna be so much fun, I'm ready. Matthew chapter four, we're gonna start in verse 18. And the scripture says this, it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. 
They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Right before this passage, um, it, the scripture tells us in a few verses up that Jesus had just moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. And while he's in this new area, while he's in Capernaum, one of the days, like we just read, he goes for a walk. And as he's walking on the side of the Sea of Galilee, he sees two brothers. He sees Peter and Andrew. And these guys, they're throwing nets into the water. These guys are fishermen. And so Jesus sees them. And I want to let you know today that Jesus sees you exactly where you are. He sees you when you're working. He sees the needs that you have. Story goes on in verse 19. It says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. I mean, mid-shift, these guys just left their nets and walked away and followed Jesus. I mean, how would their boss feel? Story keeps going. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. I love this passage. This is easily one of my favorite passages because I love to see the response that these guys had. Jesus calls them, and they follow. But I want to give some context to this story. As I was reading this week, I actually found something really interesting that like literally I read it and I was like, wow, I've never heard it before. Typically when I hear a passage like this being preached, you hear about this encounter that they had and it's these guys, they meet Jesus, they drop their net and they follow Jesus. And for some, it's like the first encounter that they've ever had. We're like, wow, that is a crazy thing that these people did. But as I was studying this week, I learned that scholars believe that this actually may have not been the first encounter that these guys had with Jesus. In fact, they met him a year prior is what scholars believe. And the reason they come to this idea is because in the Gospel of John, in the fourth Gospel, John gives us some background and some commentary as to who these people are and the lives that they lived. And so I'm going to use this amazing board for tonight because there's a whole lot of names that we're gonna be going through. And so the first person I wanna talk about that we just read was Andrew. Andrew is one of the brothers. Sorry, I'm gonna, we're gonna look at two different stories, so I'm gonna be very clear, okay? So story one, story two. Okay, so we just saw, what we just read in the passage is we see Andrew, what is he doing? He's fishing with his brother, right? And who's his brother? Simon Peter. And what John tells us in John chapter one, it's gonna come up on the screen, but John tells us that Andrew, this guy right here, was actually a disciple, was a follower, was learning from John the Baptist, who's Jesus' cousin. Could you guys read that? I know my writing is not very good. Okay. So Andrew is fishing. He's with his brother, Simon Peter, and we see that they drop their net right there. But scholars think that a year prior, Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. And take a look at what happens in John chapter 1, verse 35. 
This is before our story. It says, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. In verse 40, if we go down a little bit, it says, Andrew, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. So do you see what's happening here? We got these guys that are fishing. Jesus goes up to them in Matthew chapter 4. But it's not the first time, and scholars think that it's not the first time that they had met Jesus. They had, Andrew had met Jesus when he was a disciple of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is like, hey, there's the Lamb of God. And all of a sudden, Andrew sees Jesus. He calls his brother Simon Peter over, and they meet Jesus. This would have been about a year prior to what's happening in Matthew chapter 4. Then we go back to our story in Matthew chapter 4, and we read about two other brothers as Jesus is walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And who are those brothers? James and John. And so this is a different story. And James and John, in John chapter 2, he tells us that Jesus was at a wedding in Cana. And a lot of us know this story where Jesus performs his first miracle. He turns water into wine. He's at a wedding in Cana. And in John chapter two, verse one, it says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Verse 11, it's gonna come up on the screen. It says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And so what we learn from John chapter two and what scholars think is that John, different than John the Baptist, okay, was with Jesus, was one of the disciples with Jesus in Cana. Some of them think that James was also there. And so when we read in this passage right here that Jesus went up to these guys as they're fishing and they immediately dropped their net, they would have had about a year's history of knowing Jesus. They would have known a little bit about him, a little bit about, his, about who he is and his character. But right here in Matthew chapter four, Jesus is gonna call them to follow him. Jesus is gonna call them to be disciples of his. Typically during this time, it was the disciples seeking the rabbi, saying, hey rabbi, could I learn under you? In this passage right here, the rabbi Jesus is actually going to the disciples and asking them to follow him. That just shows Jesus' heart. And so tonight, we're gonna to get back to this a little bit later. Oh, I don't want to get back right now. There we go. And so tonight, I want you to keep that in the back of your brain for just a little bit, but I want to talk through what are Jesus' expectations of us as Christians. The first thought that I have, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Following Jesus means we cannot compartmentalize our lives. 
Following Jesus means we cannot compartmentalize our lives. As a kid growing up, and if I'm honest with you, probably up until college, I had this quirk about me, and I tell you guys my life, I'm an open book, but I had this quirk about me where anytime I would eat food, my food couldn't touch each other. It was weird, I know. So for example, if I had like mashed potatoes and salad, those are both bomb food. Love mashed potatoes, I love salad, but can we just be honest when, when oh, thank you so much. Bomb food, right? But, but when those, when the salad dressing gets into the mashed potatoes, can we just agree that it's not very good? Thank you. I like them. So, so what I would do as a kid is I would actually separate my food and, and have this clear distinction between the two. Like you're staying here and you're staying here. You're not getting into my mashed potatoes. And it's weird because I know it was only with certain foods. Some foods, they, they could go together. But I was thinking about this week. I was thinking about that because I think some of us, we treat God that way. And what we do is we compartmentalize our relationship with God. And I got some Chipotle here because their trays are amazing and this is what I mean. Some of us, we're like, God, you can have my job. I'll freely give you my job, but my money, oh, that's mine. God, you know that friendship that I had, I worked really hard for? Yeah, I'm cool with, with giving that one up. But this relationship, I, I don't wanna give that up. Some of us, we, we do it for all sorts of different things. I'll, I'll tell people I'm a Christian when I'm at church. But when I'm out with people and I'm not with church people, I don't want to tell them I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't want to live my life that way. And what we do is we compartmentalize our life. I think we even do it not only with how we live, but we, we even do it with our sin. And we're like, God, you can take this sin. I'll freely give that up to you. But this one, I'm gonna hold on to it for the rest of my life. I'll give you my pride, but that bitterness, that resentment, I'm gonna hold on to it, that unforgiveness. And what we do is we compartmentalize our lives and we're like, you can have this, but you can't have this. You, you can for sure take this. Because it's, you, you can have this. And we do it with the way that we live our lives. I think we even do it when it comes to scripture. Man, I will walk and I will not grow weary. Man, that verse makes me feel really good. I am the head and I'm not the tail. But God, the verses about sex being in the context of marriage, I'll pretend like I didn't read that. I don't wanna stick to that one. But, but you can have the, the, the feel-good ones. I'll hold on to those. But the ones that are gonna convict my lifestyle and change how I live, you can hold on to that. And we compartmentalize our lives. And right here in this passage, I don't want us to miss it. The disciples, what do they do when Jesus called them? They drop their nets. That right there is a really big deal because nets for them were the thing that they knew most about. Nets for them was their security blanket. Most of a fisherman's life would have been making and mending nets. I mean, this was the tool that they used. It was like the Wi-Fi for you and I. 
Like these guys needed these nets and Jesus calls them about a year after this encounter, after they first met him, and they immediately dropped their nets. What these nets also represented was their livelihood, their source of income, the future that they had, the thing that they were most comfortable with. And Jesus calls these guys, and you know what they do? They not only drop it, but they don't even look behind. They drop it and they keep going. You know what? They fully trusted Jesus. What if God was telling you today, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, but what if God would it tell you to leave your job that you poured blood, sweat, and tears into, that job that you find your identity in, that job that you've been working so hard for, and he tells you, I want you to leave it to follow me. Would you be able to? The money that you've been saving up for years, you have all this money in your bank account, and one day God's like, you know what, I want you to give it away. Would you be able to? How about... Um, The car that you just purchased, worked hard for it, and you're like, dude, people are gonna think I'm cool. I mean, it's super loud, got this exhaust on it. Would you be able to give that up? These guys left everything to follow Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong, it is not bad to have those sorts of things. Jesus, though, is very clear, and he's like, you can't serve two masters. And so, it's good to, to have that stuff, but what I'm trying to get at is we gotta hold it loosely because Jesus doesn't want those things to own us. It's one thing to own it, but he doesn't want it to own us. And all four of these guys, all four of these brothers, Andrew, Simon, Peter, James, and John, right here in this moment, they dropped their nets and they didn't look back. They had complete trust in Jesus. And I, I want you to think about this for a second. They, they didn't know where they were going, they didn't know where their next paycheck was gonna come from. I mean, these boys left their dad in the boat and just dipped. That's crazy. But you know what? They said, we're, we know who we're following. I don't know where I'm going, but I know who I'm going with. And they followed Jesus, it's so important that you and I understand we cannot compartmentalize our lives. Jesus wants all of us. The, the parts we don't like about ourselves, he loves them. The parts that we wanna hold on to because we feel uncomfortable and it's, we're low key, we just don't trust him in that area of our life, he wants that. He's saying, give it to me, trust me with that situation, leave it here. Their security blanket, they left it right there. That relationship, those family ties, they left it all right here in this moment. And I believe the first thing we need to understand is that very thing. And I think a lot of times people struggle with that. As followers, we're like, I like how I used to live. But you know what, when we follow Jesus, we might have, we're gonna have to change that perhaps. And it's gonna be a journey, we're gonna be doing it for the rest of our lives, but we need to give him our everything, not just some things. Our entire life belongs to him. Not just some, not, not just the parts like 
this hard shell that we want to give to him. He wants it all. A tortilla, there you go. Thank you, Victor. A tortilla, not a shell. It feels like a shell. And that right there is my biggest thing that I want us to understand because I see so many people that have a hard time. They put God in this area of their life, but not this area. They worship him on Thursdays, but don't live like that any other day of the week. We need to give him our all. He owns all of us when we say yes to following him. That's an expectation. The second thing I want us to understand is this, following Jesus will cost you. Following Jesus is gonna cost you. Take a look at what, at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 25, Jesus says these words. He says, then Jesus said to the, his disciples, if any of you wants to be, a, be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, what will happen? You will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. These right here are some of the most powerful words we could ever read. And it goes back to what we're talking about. He wants it all. And following Jesus is gonna cost us because it's a sacrifice. I love how David Platt put it. David Platt's an author and he said, when the disciples were to hear this, these words from Jesus of take up your cross, this language would have reminded them of images of crucifixion. It would remind them of people that are holding onto their cross, walking to their death. Life for them would have been different than how they once knew it. And I love that because the same is true for you and I. When we take up our cross, when we die to ourselves, it means life as we once knew it is going to be different. We can't live like how we used to live. And it's just not a one-time thing where you're like, all right, I'm going to die to myself today, but no other day of the week. No, we constantly need to die to ourselves, pick up our cross. And that's why following Jesus has such a cost. It means that we need to say no to ourselves a lot. We need to say no on acting on impulse because when that person, we, we, ah, they annoy us. They got the best of us. We need to deny ourselves and say, man, I'm not going to let my flesh win. I'm a follower of Jesus. And if I respond that way, what am I showing them? We need to deny ourselves in that moment. We need to deny our emotions. How about this one? We need to deny our thoughts. There are some of us in here, we are consumed by our thoughts. They cripple us. They consume us. And most of those thoughts aren't even from God. We need to say, I don't want these thoughts. They don't belong in my head anymore. They're gone, sayonara. We need to get rid of these thoughts. I'm not going to think this way. That, that has no place in my brain space. Our desires we're going to have to give up. You might want something so bad, but let me ask you this. Is it what he wants? Now, now don't get me wrong. God cares about us. He cares about our desires. He listens to us. He's a gracious God. But, but there are some things that we want in life that don't match up with him. We're gonna have to give up our dreams. 
There's some dreams, some aspirations that you and I have in life. We might have to exchange that for his dream for our life. Like some of you guys, you might be like, dude, I love my job. This is where I'm at for the rest of my life. But are you willing to give it up if Jesus told you to leave? You're gonna have to deny yourself. Uh, Others of us, we're gonna have to deny our feelings. Some of us, we just act on our feelings, how we feel. Can, Can I tell you that Jeremiah says, the heart is wicked and deceitful, who can know it? Not you, not me, only the one who created it. And if you and I just act on impulse, act out of of how we're feeling in the moment, we're going to make some crazy choices. And so we're going to have to wake up sometimes and say, you know what, I know I'm feeling this way, but it doesn't match up with how God wants me to act. It doesn't align with what Scripture's telling me and how Scripture tells me to treat people, how Scripture tells me to live my life. I know I feel this way, but I'm going to have to deny it. Could you imagine we did all the things that we wanted to do every single day? I mean, this place would be chaos. But as followers of Jesus, we're saying, I'm picking up my cross every single day. I'm dying to myself, to what I want to do, to how I feel. And I want to include you in the conversation. I think some of us, we try to bring God around everywhere we go. And we're like, God, I'm going to this job because I love it. God, this relationship, you're coming with me, even though I told you, even though you told me that I shouldn't be in this relationship anyway. And some of us, we we live our lives not in obedience to him, and we're dragging him around, it feels like. That's not how we're supposed to live. He's supposed to be leading the way, and I'm saying I'm following you wherever I go. We need to be in unison with him. We can't just be doing our own thing, trying to get him to where we want to go. God doesn't operate like that. He's like, I'm not going where you want to go. You do your thing then. And I think for so many people, this is the hardest part about following Jesus because we want to live how we want to live. We want to do what we want to do. We want to act out of how we want to feel and out of the emotions that we have. And Jesus is like, no, You need to live like how I want you to live, not like how you want to live. The disciples, they were able to drop their nets, and I love how Matthew puts it immediately. I love that language. It just shows how quickly they were able to drop their nets, how quickly they were able to say, I'm following you. I'm giving you my entire life. They didn't get to pick and choose what they were going to give. They dropped it all to follow him. But you know what? A year prior, they would have known him. A year prior, they would have known that he's the Messiah, like we read about in John chapter one. A year prior, they would have had some sort of account of who he was and how he operated. And you know what? Because they knew a little bit about him, it made it easier to trust him. Because they knew just a glimpse, perhaps, if not even more about who he was, when they told him, when he told them to drop their nets, they were able to do it immediately. And when you and I get to know God, the more we get to know him, the more we get to connect with him, you know what? It's gonna be a lot easier 
to trust him. It's gonna be a lot easier to die to ourselves. It's gonna be a lot easier to not compartmentalize our lives. Why? Because we know his character. Because we know that he's a good God. We know that he's a gracious God. We know that he's looking out for us in our best interest in mind. And we know that he's not a God that's just like, I want all of these things because this is how I want you to live and I want you to be miserable. No, the more we know God, the more we know his character, the more we're gonna be like, man, I could trust you in that area of my life. God, you're, you're good. I've seen you move in areas of my life. And I think some of us in here, we've been there before. Maybe you've been coming here for a little while and you haven't really followed Jesus like these guys with your all. And maybe you're just kind of trying to learn more about him. Can I tell you he's worth following wholeheartedly? You might be here thinking, okay, if I got to give up all these areas of my life, I got to die to myself, like, why do I want to follow Jesus? Can I tell you, like we talked about last week, it's the best decision you will ever make in your life? We're not promised it's going to be easy, but we're promised it's going to be worth it. And once you and I understand that God cares about us, that, that he cares about us more than any earthly relationship. I mean, I have people in my life that love me dearly, but the fact that Jesus loves me more than them, it is, my, my mind doesn't even compute to that level. It is literally the greatest decision you will ever make in your life. And I don't wanna just say those words, but I want you to experience it today. Because Jesus sees you, he loves you, he knows you better than you know yourself. And I will gladly give up all those areas of my life. I will gladly take up my cross every day to follow him. Why? Because he's good. Can, can I tell you though, day one of following Jesus, if he asked me to drop my net, it would be a little hard to get rid of all the money in my bank account. I mean, it's still hard on day whatever. But the more we know him, the more years we have with him, the more time we spend with him, the more we go to him in prayer and he starts answering those prayers, you know what's gonna happen? We're gonna have more trust with him. And so when he tells you to leave that job, you know what? It's gonna be easier to leave that job because you're not wondering, what am I gonna do? You're just fully trusting him. Like these guys, they just followed him. They didn't know what was happening next. But I believe right here, that year that they had was huge. They met him, they connected with him. But about a year later or so, when he said, follow me, they were able to do it immediately. And what I love about this passage so much is that this right here is the heart of the gospel. These men that we named were unschooled, ordinary fishermen. Most people would overlook them. Most people wanted nothing to do with them, I'm sure. But you know what? Jesus went after them. Jesus says, I, I see potential in you. I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna transform you. 
And now all of these years later, look at the impact that these guys had on all of our lives. We're reading about them. They changed human history. But they were willing. In the heart of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that you and I, we have nothing to offer him. We have nothing but our sin. We're running away from him. We want nothing to do with him. And what does he do? He pursues us. What does he do? He sees us. What does he do? He calls us. And he says, I want to be in relationship with you. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. And this story that we see is just that. He looks at unschooled, ordinary men. He's like, I see potential in you. I want to do life with you. I want to get to know you. You're going to change human history. And he looks at you and I, and he says, I know that you're going to be sitting in this room in Corona, California. You're going to be sitting in that room wherever you find yourself, in that car. And I'm chasing after you. I want to do life with you. I literally gave my life so that we could be in relationship. And that right there moves me at my core. And that right there is the best decision you will ever make.